Hello. How y'all doing? It is so good to be back. I was uh, on vacation for three weeks. I had a week of education and then two weeks of just frivolous fun. And uh, I was celebrating my 60th birthday. Right? So welcome to worship. I'm Nicole Riley. Whether you're here or you're online with us today, we are really glad that you are here. If you want to follow along, there are sermon notes on the app, and they're really helpful for giving you all those little things that sometimes go by a little too fast in the sermon. So we're going to do a two-week sermon series on So What is the United Methodist Church? And we're going to do this because I love this topic. I love being able to talk about what's different, what's special about the United Methodist Church. I didn't grow up in the United Methodist Church. I became a United Methodist when I was in my 20s. And so I kind of come to it with some excitement and energy about what it is about. And you may too. You know, uh, some of you may have grown up as United Methodists. But I'm going to guess a lot of you um, became Methodists because the church was close or you had friends here, or maybe uh, you married somebody who liked to come to the United Methodist Church. Whatever it is, um, we all end up here, and there may be a time where someone said, so what's different about the Methodist Church? What's the Methodist Church? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, usually when we talk about this kind of thing, it's in a classroom setting and I have six weeks to give you all the information, so I'm going to talk super fast, and that's going to be how it works today. No. I'm going to give you just two big things. So this week what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how the United Methodist Church gives us a way of understanding God and of understanding life. And then next week we're going to talk about what our response to that is. How do we live based on all of this? And my hope is that you will hear some things about the church that will get you excited about it, get you excited about what this is all about. Um, my story in the United Methodist Church is that when I was newly married, I was missing church. I had, I had left church when I was in um, high school, when I was senior in high school. I had left the church that I grew up in, and I was looking for another place to belong. And during my senior year in early college, I visited some churches, but I really wasn't too serious about it. But after Jeff and I got married, um, I started thinking, you know, I, I want to go back to church. I want to find a place that I belong. My father sent me an article after Jeff and I moved to Long Beach, and it was an article from the LA Times about the United Methodist Church. It was about the yearly meeting that United Methodists have at the University of Redlands. It's kind of like a big business meeting. But he sent me this article because it talked about how the United Methodists like to get together and debate about religion together. That they didn't all agree. That they had different thoughts. And they got together every year and they kind of not really yelled at each other, but they had a, a, a lively discussion, we'll call it that. Now, my father knew that this would be interesting to me because the family that I grew up in, we would debate religion. At dinner time, we would debate and talk about different things about faith, and, and really it was just me and my dad. The rest of the family could care less. But my dad and I, 
we were really into it, and we would always talk about it, and he knew that I wanted a church where I could question. I needed a place where both my head and my heart could be present. I think a lot of times people struggle with Christianity because they have questions, they have thoughts, they have, you know, wonderings, and when they come to church, they're kind of told, you know, ooh, don't ask those things, that's a little uncomfortable to ask those things. And he saw this and he thought, you know, this is a place that Nicole might feel comfortable and really that might feel comfortable with Nicole. (laughs) Because I am someone who wanted to be who I was at the church and I am by nature someone who asks a lot of questions. So let me tell you a little bit about the Methodist church. Um, The Methodist church didn't begin as a church actually began as a revival movement of the Church of England. So the Church of England, big church, and a lot of people weren't connecting anymore. And so John Wesley and his brother Charles started this revival. And it it started very simply as a group that met and worked on their faith together. And they were called Methodists because they had a method They had a way that they had a methodical approach to how they grew in their spiritual life. So they had things they did. They had things they didn't do. This is kind of how it looked to them. And the movement really was a movement that had the heart of who John Wesley was. John Wesley was somebody who loved God. He wanted people to connect to Jesus. And he also loved people, and he wanted people to live a a healthier and a better life. John Wesley was really grounded in love, and he wanted that to really be the basis of this movement, a a passion for God and a passion uh, for people. And so the Methodist Church was originally this movement, but when it came to the United States, Um, and the Revolutionary War happened, it had to become its own thing, because all things English were kind of suspect then. And so the Methodist Church became an actual church, and it became the start of really what we know now when it came to the United States. Now, one more thing about the history is that we started out as the Methodist Church, but in 1968, we became the United Methodist Church. And that was because we merged with another denomination called the Evangelical United Brethren Church. They were a similar church to us, but they had been an originally a German-speaking church, and we were an English-speaking church. And as life went on, certainly by 1968, everyone was speaking English, and so people came together and became the United Methodist Church. The logo for the United Methodist Church is this cross with two flames. And the two flames stand for the two denominations that merged together in 1968. So back to my story. My dad sent me this article, and I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll give the United Methodist Church a try. So I got out the phone book, as one did in those days, and I looked up in the yellow pages, the United Methodist Church, and right there alphabetically was Belmont Heights United Methodist Church. 
And this is a drawing of the church. I'm sure this is how it looked when I was there in the 1990s, and I'm sure it looks exactly like that today as well. It's a little church in Long Beach, kind of right in the middle of Long Beach. And the first Sunday I attended there, probably about 70% of the people were over 50, if not over 65. Now, at the time, I'm 20, I'm in my mid-20s, and I had what I could best describe as a punk haircut. I had very short hair, but I had spikes all over my hair. So, okay, if you can get that visual. Um, So I stood out. There was no one who thought, she must be a regular. (laughs) Pretty much everybody who looked at me that day knew that I was brand new to this congregation. But here's what I figured out, even that first week with how they received me, is that they cared about people. And as I listened to them in worship that day, I heard how they cared about more than just themselves. They cared about the community. They cared about reaching people and helping people in need. They were a place where you could ask questions. They were a place that wasn't worried about that. And I could tell that they believed in people. They believed in people, and they communicated that not by telling people what was wrong with them, but instead by supporting them and encouraging them and praying for them. I think the thing I learned that first Sunday was one of the most important things I've ever learned about the United Methodist Church. And what is that? That is, that they are about welcoming people, embracing people for who they are. That was essential to what it meant to be a United Methodist. Our ability to welcome people is rooted in how we understand Jesus. Jesus welcomed all kinds of people. He was someone who embraced a variety of people in all kinds of situations. As followers of Jesus, that is our heritage. And as United Methodists, that is our heritage too. Because when we talk about the United Methodist Church and how the United Methodist Church understands life and faith, I would have to say that this is all about what is called grace. Now, you might know the word grace, because grace is often the term we use for the prayer before a meal, right? Would someone say grace tonight? But grace is actually a lot more than that. Grace is foundational, what it means to be United Methodist. And so let me talk about grace and how that relates to you and I. So first thing I want you to know about grace is that grace is the undeserved unmerited, loving action of God toward people. So hear those words? Undeserved, unmerited, loving action of God. So this is all about God and not about us. This is what God does for us, not because we are good, not because we are smart, not because we dot all of the I's and cross all of the T's. God does this because we need a God. We serve a God 
who has this undeserved and unmerited loving action toward us. We hear about it in today's text. Here's the text from Titus 3. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. This Spirit is poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is sure, I desire that you insist on these things so that those who have come to believe in God may be, devote, may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable to everyone. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So what we hear is that by God's goodness, by God's loving kindness toward us, we are saved. And it's important that we see that this is not about us, but it is about God. It is often that we think that we are the ones who need to be good and right and do all these things, but instead what this says is, no, it's just because. It's just because of who God is, not because of who you are, that you are loved. This is true of this church. It's true of the United Methodist Church as a denomination, that we, we focus on grace, and grace is about acceptance, but it's more than that. It's about love as well. It's about not needing to prove yourself worthy. This is the first understanding. And the second understanding of grace is this. Grace is the actual power, help, or energy of God. And we hear about this in Hebrews 4, where it says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need." Here, what we hear is that we are not only given this grace, this love, this acceptance, but through receiving it, we also have the power to give it to others, to share it with other people. Through Jesus, we receive his grace and mercy, and that fills us up so that we can be gracious people in the world. This power looks like forgiveness. It looks like being understanding toward others who see things differently than we do. 
It looks like being gracious toward others we know and those we don't. It looks like the ability to rise above being petty and small-minded and instead being loving and accepting of others. Think of it this way. We receive this grace of God, and as we receive it, we are then able to be more grace-filled in our own life and give that grace to others. This is the rhythm of it. Grace is what makes all the difference. I cannot stress this enough. It is the foundation for how we understand who God is. God is not an angry judge waiting for us to make a mistake in order to smite us. Do you remember that comic from the far side where God's sitting at the keyboard and there's a piano and a man and he has a smite key? right? That's not how God is. God is this loving and gracious God. And because of that, we can live filled and acting as loving and gracious people ourselves. And so I think the question becomes, if God is a God of grace and we are called to be grace-filled ourselves, how do we get more of that in our lives? How do we experience that more fully? Now, remember when we started today, we talked about how John Wesley had a method. He was methodical in his spiritual growth, and that we're called Methodists because of this. Uh, the Methodist movement is about practice. It is about doing. It is about how we live our lives. And Wesley had this method, and he divided it into two categories. These were what he called the means of grace, meaning that when we did these things, we would have more access to grace in our lives. And he said that there are two big areas for this. One is called the works of piety, and the other is called the works of mercy. Both of these, when we practice them, open us up to receive unconditional love and then also to become people who love unconditionally. So let's look at each of these. We have the works of piety. Piety is an old-fashioned word, I know. It basically means devotion or faithfulness. And the works of piety, the things we are called to do is to be people of prayer and scripture study, to take communion, to fast, to live in Christian community, and to live in a healthy and life-giving way. When we practice these works of piety, these means of getting more grace in our lives, we find that they change us, they transform us. And these works of piety, these works of devotion, turn us toward God. They are really about that first movement in our lives, which has to be toward God and being filled up by God through these things. So that's the first one. The second one is called works of mercy. This is one that is about us turning out toward others in our lives, and it is about doing good, visiting the sick and the prisoner, feeding and clothing people, using our money wisely. And because this was put together in a time 
It was about the opposition of slavery. It was about people committing to not have slaves and being people who were working to end slavery in the United States and worldwide. So we have these two things that Wesley called us to do. He said we're to do works of piety, turning toward God to be filled up, and then we're to do works of mercy, caring for people around us, living in this way. This was his method. This was his method of spiritual growth. And when we do both of these things, we experience God's love, and then we are able to give that love to others. Two more things I want to mention, because I think when we talk about grace, sometimes we have um, a couple mistaken beliefs about it. And these are the two I, I see as a pastor. And the first is this. I think oftentimes, as people, we believe we have to clean our lives up before we are acceptable to God. I mean, I remember so many times um, people would be part of the church and then they'd disappear and I'd call and say, what's going on? They're like, well, things are, are not great in my marriage right now. I'd, I feel like a hypocrite sitting in church till I get that all cleaned up. Actually, Grace says you're welcomed and loved regardless of what is going on in your life. And in fact, being in the community will be more helpful to you than pulling away. We often believe that we need to be somebody else other than who we are, but Grace says that we have God's unmerited favor and that that is the start. It's given freely to all. It, it welcomes all of us. This is what need, means that you and I, as people of faith, when someone new comes into Christian community, that we need to give them that welcome, that we need to let them know they matter. We welcome people unconditionally because God has welcomed us unconditionally. And here's the second thing I see that I think sometimes we get confused about. And this is that sometimes we feel like, I, I'm far away from God. I, I don't feel God is very close to me, and there's probably nothing I can do about that. Grace says differently. Grace would say that we have these means of grace, these ways that we can draw closer to God, and we can draw closer to people. And so we are invited as those who are beloved of God, to partake in the means of grace when we are struggling and feeling far away from God, as well as in our everyday life. So we're called to pray and also to clothe the poor. We are called to study scripture, and we're also called to visit the sick. It's this, it's this both and that are these means of grace, filling up and pouring out coming to God, and then being who God calls us to be in the world. Okay, so this is, this is the first week, and I hope you heard something exciting about the Methodist Church. Did you hear something exciting today? Right? I think it's really great stuff. I think it's really helpful and interesting stuff. Um, we are a church that is grounded in grace. We're grounded in this unmerited, undeserved love and this power, then, is in us to also welcome people with open arms, even if they are a 20-something with a punk hairdo, right? We just have a place for everybody. So, what is the United Methodist Church? 
it is a church where our understanding of God and our understanding of life is grounded in grace.